Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Hey, folks, welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson here today with my co-host, Jeffrey Whitlock, who's handsome and charming and sitting at his desk out in Salt Lake City, actually West Jordan, Utah, and on the floor above or below him, I can't remember which one is it, Jeffrey, below, uh, we've also got our co-host, Dave Reynolds. What's happening, guys? Not much. Jeffrey's in the penthouse up there. You know, I work really hard to make sure that my office is the most outstanding place in the entire building. It makes uh, makes the day go by just a little bit better. He does have a big office, pretty much the whole second floor. Yeah, really. If you want to come and if you want to come and speak to me, you get to come in. I've got a nice coffee maker. I've got bottles of water for you. You can sit on the couch. I mean, it's a it's a it's a plush experience, really. You've got a sofa in your office. I sure do. Yes. I'm jealous. I've just got a leather recliner. I don't have the sofa. I, I got a couple camo chairs. <laughs> uh, I spent last Saturday on the road up in Paducah, Kentucky at the uh, King Cat event presented by Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's uh, with my partner in crime, Jer- Jeremy Coe. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. It was a long weekend. It was a two-day event, and our boys did really good. Um, we had Donnie Fountain out of a Stormcat 230 come in fifth, and Excel Pro Stafford Jeff Dodd came in second. So two of the top five boats in the money were Excel Stormcat 230s, which that's pretty Wasn't Jeff out of first by just ounces, if that? Oh, my God. All right, so, guys, I got to tell you the story. You talk about a heartbreaker? You know, first off, I, I'm going to back up and preface this by saying that we've got a lot of great pro staff out there, but I, I think we would all agree that nobody is a bigger class act uh, than Jeff Dodd. Agreed. I mean, he is just – he's what a, he's what you want in somebody yeah, on your pro nice staff. Guy. Great guy, consummate professional, gentleman. So I'm always rooting for him. And then that fire engine red and white Stormcat 230 of his. Have you ever seen a picture oh, yeah. of Dave? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, that boat is beautiful. So I went, and he is a hell of a poker player. I mean, you can't read him hardly at these events when he's sitting in the boat in the weigh-in line. So um, his partner, uh, Roy, was driving the truck through the weigh-in line, and Jeff was sitting in the in the boat. And when I saw him coming up through the line, they were toward the very end. I went back there to talk to him, and you know, I'm like, did you do any good? You know, Jeff's like, yeah, we caught a fish or two. He says that. I'm like, you know that they caught a bunch of fish. And then I was like, well, so did you get any big ones? Uh, We might have had one that was all right. So then I started really getting excited because I knew that he wasn't going to tell me anything, but that was probably looking really good. And then he just gave me a great big old smile. And so I go back up there with Jeremy and they come up. And when they open that live well, I can see a big fish swimming in there actually several big fish so they weigh in with only two boats left to weigh in 
they moved into first place by like 25 pounds and they had the big fish by a couple pounds, I think 54 pounds. The very last boat to weigh in, when they pulled out their big fish, it was 73 wow. pounds. So they knocked him out of big fish, but their unders weren't that great. So Jeff, I mean, Jeff had come in with 221.48 pounds. He weighed in over two days, heck of a two day total. He got knocked out of first by a weight of 221.84. Just a hair over one third of one pound knocked him from first to oh, second. Man. And with the big fish in the first place win, it paid uh, $5,100. And second place, I believe, was. No, I'm sorry, $4,100, and second place was $2,500. So they lost $1,600 by .36 pounds. Oh, that hurts. That is brutal. <laughs> and what hurts even worse is when Jeff was holding the big fish up, trying to get it into the, uh, you know, in, into the uh -huh. weigh-in bucket, or, yeah, tub there, it was peeing the entire time wow it was losing water and i guarantee it lost half they a pound he pissed, he pissed the money away yeah he pissed the money away <laughs> he definitely pissed the money away that was good i'm gonna call jeff and tell him do you realize what that fish pissed away for oh, you yeah. on saturday <laughs> but uh, still man really proud of jeff i mean second place in the money in the running, both in the big fish and total weight, it's pretty dang awesome and really deserving. Yeah, and he's going to win one. I'll tell you, I really love to see him win that classic uh, coming up this fall. I'm going to be there, and I would like to greet him uh, with the check yeah. when it's over with. Wow. But, um, so what's been going on in y'all's weeks? Perfect. What's been going on, man? Just relentless summer here in Utah mid 90s continuing for some time well as far as forecast goes so what's the humidity it's like? getting old but despite that you know hunting season is you know approaching i mean youth hunt is in uh was it three weeks oh, let's see the 21st of september yeah. wow coming up me and my boy went skeet shooting last night and i gotta go get some uh yeah he's shooting pretty good he's able to kill quite a few ducks and yeah, that youth hunt, they've made a few changes. I'm looking at a proclamation here. They've made a few changes to youth hunt. So what have they done? The biggest news, yeah, biggest news he said, youth now allowed to hunt swans during youth hunt. Starting this fall, if a youth draws a swan permit, he or she, she may hunt swans during the youth hunt. You know what the odds of killing a swan opening weekend on the youth hunt is? <laughs> I think you'd have better odds killing the dodo bird. <laughs> That is so funny. I just get I get a kick out of it. Swan. Shoot a swan. They don't show up till mid late October at the earliest. What, where are they right now? Alaska, Wrangell, and Russia. Bering Sea. There's gonna be a lot of dead pelicans over the youth hunt. I think. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'd be all for letting the kids shoot the pelicans. Yeah, well, we just open up a, a seagull shoot here. That's what they really <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, I got a kick out of that. I, my 
employee does have a swan tag, but not counting on it. Yeah. Don't, don't hold your breath. No. <laughs> no, it, the, the weather's been really interesting here because as we we talked last week, Jay Paul, about how all of the media, all of the news, all of the emails coming in, everything's duck season right now. Everybody's gearing up and it's so exciting and you just get happy. And then you walk out the door and it's 100 degrees. And it's just kind of this uh, kind of disappointing moment every day. But uh, Keith and I, for uh, the Shallow Water Adventures, we were out on the lake actually yesterday doing our, our kind of our last, uh, our last fish, kind of fishing expedition. Of course, you know how Keith uh, generally loses every competition we have. He actually smoked me yesterday. No kidding. Wow, I had a lot of fish. Yeah. I, he, I'm he still Team Jeffrey. What would you say, J-Paul? I'm still Team Jeffrey. Yeah, no, that's, I, I appreciate it. Somebody's yes, got to be. Thanks, Skippy. But it was it was insanely hot out there, though, on the water. It was just, in fact, we uh, we lost our feed halfway through, as I as we were saying with technology, the phone overheated about ten minutes in. Good news with this hot weather is the doves will stick around for the dove hunt uh, opener on Sunday. But you going out, Jay Paul? Oh yeah, you better believe it. I, um, Actually, I have a cousin that I used to dove hunt with every opening day, and uh, he's got a dove field this year. He hadn't had one in several years, and he called me up yesterday, and he said, hey, um, would you like to come and hunt with us on Sunday? And the dove field that I traditionally hunt, because of all the flooding, we didn't get sunflowers in. It was flooded out all spring long, so I didn't have a place to go on opening day. I have a couple other fields that we set up for later in the season, so I'm really excited to get to go hunting with my cousin Jackie. I haven't done that in about 15 years. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. You know, out here in Utah, you pretty much have to head out to the West Desert and find a water hole. <laughs> I don't know. I've hunted in Argentina and Mexico. I guess I'm spoiled now. You know, I had a good supplier in Mexico. I used to go down there every year, and um, you know, the first year, pretty much, you know, uh, dove hunting, uh, dove season opens everywhere about September 1st, everywhere in the country, North right. America, as far as I know. But anyways, you know, I called them and, yeah, Dave, you should come out. we got great dove hunting. And, you know, I said, well, you know, when is September? Should I come out? I said, oh, no, man, the best hunting's mid-July. you got to come out mid-July. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dang. That would be right. He was right. No. Yeah, yeah, free rural there. Wow. So, what's it like around there? I mean, is it do, do you guys grow sunflowers in Utah, or is it too dry? Oh yeah, there's a lot of they grow wild. Um, I mean, you know, if you're in and you know some farm owner owners, uh, you know, get in some property. But you know, for the most part, a lot of the hunters will hunt uh, rivers, um, streams, waterholes. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, wild, um, you know, not planted, you know, wild sunflowers. And, um, yeah, we, we have quite a few doves, so it could be good. Um, typically, this time of year, though, we have a little cold front that always comes through right before dove season, and it doesn't take much to move the doves out, but we haven't had that this year, so it should be good. Yeah, we get that a lot, too. The cold fronts can really kill us. We've had such a wet year. It's funny because you know, y'all talk about how arid it is out there. Uh, got a little story about our boss, Glenn. So, um, 
I sent in the bill last week for the mowing at the new factory because we got a couple of acres of really good grass that we mow there in Union City. And I got an email from Glenn yesterday that said, what's up with this bill for the cutting? Uh, are you guys still mowing out there? <laughs> Hadn't it dried up yet? I mean, how much longer is this going to go on? I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea. Here in West Tennessee, I will mow my yard for the last time probably right before Thanksgiving. It'll be early. Wow. It'll be, you know, maybe if we get uh, early November frost. But uh, but this time of year, July, August, September, unless we just go into a drought, uh, we mow. Well, at the plant, we're mowing every week, and that's just to keep the, the bill down here. There have been weeks where we've mowed on Saturday, and I went back out on Tuesday or Wednesday and mowed, and then my wife mow again the next Saturday. Sometimes we'll have to mow every yeah. five or six days. Otherwise, it's like you're bailing hay. Yeah. Sounds like out here. Yeah, my grass has been growing crazy. Yeah, and, you know, it's about every five days. Yeah. But, you know, we got, you know, through – October, usually around, you know, end of October, around, you know, Halloween, that's about the last time I'll cut the grass. I'll just cut it real short and done with it for the year. Well, we, we get it forever. I mean, it, it goes on. I, I guess I start mowing every year in April and uh, by end of May, it's every week, June, July, August, you know, every once in a while we'll get a drought, but afternoon thunderstorms here really, really keep the grass growing. Oh, yeah. and, and then we've had so much flooding in this area. Um, but, you know, that's been really a good thing in other parts of the world because you guys, uh, y'all are, is the Great Salt Lake still, uh, is it back to being a lake again or is it still a big mud flat? Yeah, I'm not sure what the water levels are now. I mean, they're up over last year for sure. We had a real wet uh, spring and a lot of snow this winter. Yeah, as far as the the Great Salt Lake, I haven't been up there. I haven't taken a look at it. I don't know how it is, but we do a lot of our work, Keith and I, at Utah Lake, about an hour south of the of the Great Salt Lake, and it's still really, really high, very, very full. Really. Um, and most of the small reservoirs around are still high as well. Well, and, and I know that the prairie pothole region of the United States has uh, really still got a lot of water right now. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe Delta Waterfowl, um, here I'm pulling it up here right now. You guys have seen the latest issue of Delta Waterfowl, which, by the way, super excited. We announced it a couple of weeks ago, our partnership as a champion sponsor of Delta Waterfowl. And, uh, you know, they have the latest uh, annual breeding populations, and looks like the uh, annual breeding population survey estimates 38.9 million total ducks, which is uh, down 6% from last year, but we are still 10% above the long-term average in total right. ducks. So that's looking pretty good. And mallards in particular, they are actually up 2% from last year and 19% above the LTA. Did you guys see that? Or are y'all looking at it now? Yeah, I see that. They're, yeah, they're up. Um, Gadwall are up 13%. My gosh, they're 61% from a uh, long-term average up. That's incredible. Yeah. 
I mean, a lot of gavel this year. Oh, it's amazing. And you go down in the Cypress Breaks and stuff in the Mississippi River Delta, and that's where you really see them. There's, even though mallard numbers are up, there's so many gadwalls that they have replaced mallard populations in a lot of those areas there. Wow. Unfortunately, Jay Paul, though, your favorite greenhead is down 13%. I know. Shoveler. I can't believe that shovelers, <laughs> spoonbills are down. I figured old Hollywood. They're down. They're still up 39% long term. Most concerning is the pintail. I mean, they're down 4%, but 42% long term average. And, you know, we see a lot of pintail out here in the Pacific Flyway. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't shoot hardly a handful last year. Um, although, you know, I hunted a lot of potholes last year going after focusing on mallards. So that's part of the reason. But, yeah, I haven't seen, you know, just not seeing the pintail I used to see. I mean, I used to, a pintail used to, you go out hunting and you're guaranteed a pintail or two if it was limited to, but yep. have not seen that recently. So that's unfortunate. You know, here's what's crazy about that though to me, Dave. You take a look at pintail numbers. Um, you know, in 2019, uh, the pintail population is 2,270,000 birds. Um, and we can only kill one pintail a day. But then if you take a look at the, uh, say, the American Wigeon. Remember, last year was two pintail, no, two pintail last year. They moved it back. It was one two years ago. Last year, they moved back to two, and now it's one again this year. But here's what's crazy. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you're, oh, no, you're dead on. That's okay. Uh, but look at the widgeon population. It's only 2.83 million, but how many widgeon can you kill in a day in Utah? No, oh, you can shoot seven a day if you're in a good spot. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the widgeon yeah. numbers aren't that far off. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. seem to make a lot of sense to me, that you're really close on total numbers with those two species, but you've got caps on – on the on the pintail yeah yeah then yeah oh, i know pintail. yeah it used to be you know a lot more numerous uh, especially in the pacific flyway i know yeah the california clubs i mean that's all they used to shoot is pintail yeah they're a beautiful bird yeah. fun to hunt but oh i love hunting i mean they're absolutely gorgeous. as you know i mean these numbers i mean it's it's the populations are up but it's so weather dependent i mean you look at arkansas last year had a worse season probably on recent record and duck numbers were up but you know, had uh warm weather high water yeah i can recall in the early 90s when duck numbers were all-time lows God, i remember those years i'd go out and shoot a limit about every time i went out yeah um that's because we had the weather you know we had a lot of wa good water conditions good food good weather so i um, mean it's good to know that there's a lot of ducks but uh yeah, it, I mean, pintails are gorgeous birds, and I love shooting them. I hate that we're back down to one. Yeah, and, and I think it must have something to do with the fact that we're 42% below the long-term average. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what, here's another statistic that is really um, interesting, and it continues, you, you see it, it continue to swing every year. You know, when I, oh man, when I was a kid and even in through the 90s, you know, I, we always thought of Prairie Canada as the duck factory. And indeed, uh, it was, you know, in, in, the, in the pond counts, uh, Prairie Canada still 
exceeds the U.S. As you can see in the in the pond counts, you're looking at 2.86 million in Canada this year versus 2.14 million in the north central United States. But the U.S. is slowly overtaking Canada as the true duck factory now. Um, you see that the number of ponds in Canada is down from last year 22%, but in the north central U.S. it's up 36 And over the long-term average, Canada is down 19% in the LTA, but the north central U.S. is up 26%. Um, and overall, pond count numbers fell slightly uh, by about 5%, and most of that comes from Prairie Canada. So, you know, the United States is quickly becoming uh, the duck factory. So, so what, what in your, your two's opinion, what's pushing them south like that then? Uh, yeah, well, I'm just shooting from the hip here, but it could be, you know, better programs with, with farmers and subsidies, you know, encouraging farmers to not till over their low areas and ponds. Um, you know, I know that's always been a struggle with Canada and the farmers in Canada. Um, you know, wetlands is unproductive land. They can't plan on it. That's the bottom line. And I think, uh, you know, in the U.S. it's more aggressive. I think with the help of Delta also in uh, predator management in, uh, in the Dakotas, I think that's uh, been a big factor. Sure. No, what's your take, Jay Paul? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Dave. I think that, you know, in the United States, CRP and now WRP and WRE have been just great for duck production. Um, you know, we incentivize our folks to, our farmers to set aside land, particularly in the Prairie Pothole region where uh, until just a few years ago, there really was no mechanism to recruit farmers to do that in Prairie Canada. So they would, you know, if a pothole started to dry up, they were going to encroach on it and farm as close to it as they possibly could. They take out all that fringe area. Um, Delta introduced several years ago, ALICE or alternative land use systems to incentivize somewhat and you know but you know it takes a while for any type of program like that to take traction so i think you're exactly right i think that you know different attitudes toward farming and farmland and incentives is a big part of it and then i agree with you too that uh delta and other organizations particularly delta waterfowl's efforts toward predator control in the prairie pothole region of the u.s has done you know amazing things in that area you know, when you take an area and you eliminate uh, the raccoons and the fox from that area, nesting success, and skunks in particular, nesting success goes up tremendously. So I think it's, you're right on target with both those things. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, I'm very thankful too that we do have programs like CRP and WRP here in the United States. And I think one other thing that has been a major factor here in the U.S., has been uh, a refuge system has helped our overall numbers of ducks, um, you know, tremendously. I mean, here in the southeastern United States, we don't have breeding ducks. Uh, so a lot of people go, well, why the heck do you need refuges? You know, or we ought to hunt the refuges. Dang it, I could kill ducks, except they're all holed up over there on that refuge where nobody can shoot them. Well, let me tell you, for the overall health, of the population, you've got to have rest areas that allow those birds to take some of the pressure off and uh, return healthy and strong to the breeding grounds if you're gonna have duck production. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's better than the alternative to have no ducks. I mean, you have uh, exactly. several hundred thousand ducks a half mile away in a ref sitting in a refuge. What would you prefer? You know, a couple hundred in a refuge. Um, I mean, yeah, there's that many ducks held in the refuge. You're going to get ducks if you're savvy and, and uh, you know, Right. know how to hunt uh you got ducks that's key to success of having ducks in the area and uh yeah granted they got yeah many of those ducks become nocturnal at times and they don't leave the refuge but there are times that they they do and they have that big of a population of ducks close by you know your success is uh yeah i shouldn't say guaranteed but uh, you have much higher uh, level of success hunting your refuge. Sure do. I mean, no doubt about it. You know, they're not going to stay there forever, and eventually they eat out most of the food source within those refuges. You know, some of our best spots here in West Tennessee or some of the best blinds I know are directly adjacent to the refuge. And, yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating at times watching birds pile into the refuge and not come into your hole. But like you said, every, you know, you're going to get some dummies uh, along the way. So I think that that has really helped you know, uh, our success, but uh, you mentioned a while ago predator management. One of the things that I do think will be helpful for duck production in Prairie Canada is the fact that Delta has expanded its predator management initiative and, you know, it's been really, really focused in uh, small parts of Manitoba and South Dakota, and they're expanding with additional sites in North Dakota and Prairie Canada over the next couple of years. You know, they're seeing that uh, they've had a great, great deal of success, particularly in CRP areas of the United States, and they're trying to apply that in Prairie Canada and more of North Dakota as well. Yeah, I, I'm. In fact, I'm just looking at an article right here, and you got to really hand it to uh, Delta Waterfowl. They're such a great organization to really, really put a lot of focus and emphasis on on these kinds of issues and. It's awesome that we get a chance to um, partner with them for the next little while and and help out and be a part of the solution, which is really excellent. But I'm I'm just reading an article here uh, in Manitoba. They've just put uh, or uh, invested an additional fifty million dollars into their grow program, uh, which is to really hold on to those uh, temporary wetlands and their the ephemeral wetlands as well. So hopefully we'll see some of those Canadian numbers grow over the next five, 10 years. Yeah, and you know what else I found while looking uh, around the site? Uh, they've got a really, really nice link announcing our partnership that I just saw today for the first time. They sure do. Yeah, Delta Waterfowl welcomes Excel Boats and Mud Buddy Motors as a corporate sponsor. Yes. Nice. And they're, 2019 Sportsman Fall Raffle. You will have an uh, you'll have a really fantastic chance to win a, a shallow water F4 with a Mud Buddy uh, 40 EFI and a Diamond City trailer. Yeah, <laughs> 1754 shallow water F4, not to fade marsh. That is a killer boat. Yeah, we now have a fall raffle page. As a matter of fact. Yes, I'm just looking at it right here. We just got to get them some good photos and a little bit of video from that new boat because it is awesome, guys. I, I, matter of fact, uh, Monday, a driver from the factory pulled up in my driveway with the very shallow water F4 Mud Buddy HDR 40 EFI and trailer that they will be giving away. Uh, the, the raffle ends on December the 5th, and between now and then, 
I'm going to be carrying it around the, to different events in this area of the country. And Tuesday night, we were at the Delta Waterfowl Banquet in Memphis, Tennessee, which is the largest Delta Waterfowl Banquet in the company. Uh, they raised close to a quarter million dollars in one night, Tuesday night, over wow. 650 people there. It was it was really, really cool. And uh, we did a little Facebook Live on the Excel Facebook page. And we're going to be making a little video of that also that we need to give these guys so they can put it on this 2019 Sportsman's Raffle. Yeah, absolutely. And anybody that's listening, if you want to buy tickets, uh, it's real simple. Uh, go to the Delta Waterfowl page. Um, click on, let me see here. The Get Involved um, tab. And under that, you'll see raffles and the fall raffle. And they have a buy tickets option. Uh, you can buy, I think it is one for 25, six chances for 100, 14 chances for 200, and 24 chances for 300 bucks. Well, I, I'm looking through some of these prizes here that they've got listed. Yikes. <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. I had to get my tickets, man. They, uh, so this uh, boat and motor package, of course, being their, their grand prize, really, really excellent. But they've got uh, some Benelli shotguns on. They've got, they've got a Camp Chef smoker, dog kennels. Lucky Duck's got a bunch of stuff in there. I mean, they, these, are, these are some outstanding. Yeah, some of our partners, uh, Lucky Duck, Tangle Free, mm -hmm. Camp Chef. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh... – so get on and do that. Yeah. Yes. So it, it says, yeah, December 13th is when they'll actually do the actual drawing. September, when? December 13th? Sorry, December. Did I say September? <laughs> I think you did. December, sorry. December 13th is the day they'll actually draw for those. But I think like you said, I think December 5th is the final day to enter. Cool beans. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. But they're really great. Um, I think we're hoping to have have one of their guys on this podcast here coming up. Yeah. Is it Brad going to be joining us? Yes. Yeah. Um, we're just trying to nail down that date. But he will be really, really excellent to talk to, um, not only about this, uh, this raffle, but, you know, everything that Delta is doing. Fantastic. Yeah. Most excellent. And maybe he can fill us in on why we can only shoot one pintail, but we can kill yeah, there we go. seven American yeah. widgeon out there where you seven widgeon where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, the time is almost here. It sounds like we got a really good fall flight. It's, you know, it was really encouraging to see that we're still uh, almost 20% above the long-term average. That is. Yeah. Uh, starting to get excited. It's, uh, it's coming up quick. A little disconcerting that, uh, <laughs> You know, we've had very wet U.S. prairie and very dry Canadian breeding grounds. Um, there's a real, really interesting video about that in the pond counts on the Delta Waterfowl site. Uh, if you get a chance, you ought to go take a look at it, anybody out there listening. And also, um, we're going to try this again maybe next week to do one of these podcasts simultaneously with either an Excel Boats Facebook Live or a Mud Buddy Motors uh, Facebook Live over Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock. Of course, uh, Jer Jeremy Coe and I have the uh, Excel Boats Catch and Release live series. And on Wednesdays, 
uh, it's Jeffrey Whitlock and Keith Mitchell with Shallow Water Adventures on Mud Buddy. And I really, really do want to integrate one of those into recording one of these podcasts. Yeah. I think it'd be really fun. Yep. Everybody could uh, see how, uh, how excited and uh, vibrant we are in our faces as we uh, podcast. actually today we're doing pretty good but the problem is man it is 4 15 on a friday afternoon here in tennessee and 3 15 there in utah weekend yeah i'm about ready to call it a day and seal and crack the seal on the top on a cold frosty adult beverage beverage. (laughs) i didn't lie about it hell i ain't gonna drink a coke i'm fixing to drink a beer (laughs) we're still at work and that sounds good i know so we're gonna have to push these out a little bit later so i can be at home i mean i'm i'm all just at my desk so i might as well just do it at home and uh you know everything everything is better with with a little beer involved that's what i I maintain that and i will till i die um of beer poisoning i'm sure nah nah it's called alcohol Alcohol poisoning poisoning. You know, um, it's just saw. Yeah. I just realized yeah. that is the Shallow Water Adventures logo on your polo. It sure is. I am so wow. damn jealous. I know. This you don't um, have a catch and release logo shirt yet. No, no, you have not. In fact, this was a. There are only uh, there are only four of them in existence, and I have two of them, and Keith's got two of them, and and that's it. But uh, I know someday, someday we gotta you know, make that happen. Did you buy those out of the marketing budget? <laughs> um, I don't <laughs> actually. <laughs> Just totally put you on the spot with Dave on here with us. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that Ambry purchased these out of the marketing. Uh, okay. All right. So I'm going to have a talk with Ambry about it. Yes. She is the one. And don't yeah, worry. I didn't get one. <laughs> don't worry, Dave. If I get a couple of catch and release, I'll get one in your size. All you. right. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm not going to leave you out on that. Jeffrey, don't kill me. I'm so, so sorry that I just took you down that path. No, no, you're good. You're oh, that was wrong on so many different levels. <laughs> We've got each other's back, but I totally blew that a while ago. No, they're they're good. In fact, we've uh, a lot of our a lot of our followers have asked for them. And so I need to, I need to get those. I need to get stickers of the logo made. I've, I've got a bunch that I need to do for these guys now that the, uh, the season is about to start again. So for, for us, you know, uh, on the mud buddy side with shallow water adventures, really, um, we'll be starting season three. Um, the last week of September is when the, uh, official, show will start again so right now we're kind of just wrapping things up getting our uh getting our sponsors all in line and all of our stuff ready getting our plans made and then uh yeah we'll officially open season three of our uh of shallow water adventures the last week of september and we've got some yeah. cool i have to go on a scouting trip i you've got you've got a lot of work to do for us dave because you're kind of our go-to <laughs> anything we do duck hunting for real involved yeah. so Dave it sounds like you're going to be the third co-host of shallow water adventures as soon as yeah, there you go. Opens. the official guide yeah, of the shallow water adventures that's cool we've yeah. got some pretty interesting uh catch and releases coming up uh next week we hope to be in a dove field somewhere Tuesday afternoon if the weather cooperates and then on September the 11th we're going to be uh doing uh we're swapping places that week with Shallow Water Adventures. So on Wednesday of that week, 
Jeremy and I'll be hosting SWA. Uh, and on Tuesday, you and Keith will be doing catch and release. That's going to be a lot of fun. Ho hopefully, we'll be, we'll be teal hunting in the Boot Hill of Missouri. And uh, same with September 17th. And then on September 24th, going to be coming live from the Super Retriever Series Crown Championship in Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, that event, um, and, and I believe that is another swap out with us in Shallow Water Adventures. We'll be watching the dogs run. We're really excited. We're going to have an Excel F4 Mud Buddy uh, motorboat down there that either in the semifinals or the finals, uh, they're going to have the dogs have qualified for the crown championship. They'll be running out of that boat in one of those two series. And I'm going to be covering the whole thing, both on the live stream for the Super Retriever Series Facebook, and I'll be covering a lot of it on live streams from various of our social medias. Um, so we've got a lot of really, really cool stuff coming up over the next several weeks, both on SWA and Catch and Release. Yeah, going to be busy, busy fall. Yep. So if you listen to the podcast, be sure you can tune in to Catch and Release at 4 p.m. Central Daylight Time on Tuesdays and Shallow Water Adventures with the handsome and talented Jeffrey Whitlock and Keith Mitchell. Okay, maybe I exaggerated there a little bit in the case. Mitchell, this is what I think. It's, uh, at four o'clock. Am, am I the handsome one or am I the talented one? You're both. Oh, good. See, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dave's just rolling his eyes too. Well, guys, it's been fun on a Friday afternoon, but I think it's uh, five o'clock somewhere and I'm ready for it to be that time here. So, uh, Thanks both of you guys for taking some time out this afternoon to bring us another podcast. And on behalf of Dave and Jeffrey, for everybody listening out there, I'm Jay Paul Jackson. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.